always to my left, yo, Mr. DC. Mark Foster, what's going on, yo? DC. Comics. Oh, Marvel, come on. Yeah, I know. Ain't that, ain't that what the shirts say? Oh, no, no, no. This is OG. Oh. BC. It's a wrestling oh. shirt. OG oh. Bullet Club. Oh, okay. Oh, man. I thought it said DC. <laughs> I was like, DC Comics. Like, I thought you did that for our special guest here. Uh, I couldn't find a, a good comic book shirt. I should have. I should have rocked one. Right. I, mean, I got a Deadpool somewhere, but. I got a, um, <laughs> I got an Iron Man and a, uh, a Gambit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the cards. R.I.P. Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, we back up in here. We back in the building after uh, a Ravens L and a uh, Dallas Cowboy L, as we can see here. Got my homegirl, Sophia, in the building. Hey, y'all. What it do? What it do? And that's a three and one for the Cowboys. Calm down. <laughs> calm down. That's, yeah, that, that's definitely better than our two and two. So I can't even say shit about that. Then we also got my man, a special guest, the man of the hour in the building. We got Mr. Dr. Toons. What it do, yo? Salute. Salute. Everything is everything. Ready to go. All right. All right. Yo, thank everybody. Sophia, Donald, thank you so much for coming through. Thank you. Anytime, thank you for taking anytime. the time, man. Everybody, you know how we start the shows when we got the drinks on. Cheers. Cheers. Let's do that. Ah. All right. Yo, first thing we're going to talk about, uh, first things first, is the uh, Ravens-Browns game yesterday. I was uh, unfortunate enough to be out there at the game. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> Yo, Browns 40s, Ravens 25. I saw it. You guys, first WTF, first what-the-fuck moment of the night. Yo, what the hell happened out there yesterday, Mark? Uh, Y'all lost. You you yeah. want you want me to be like my usual jovial joking self or like a for real analysis? Uh, because, I'll, I'll take the real. Let's do the real. I'll, I'll throw you back to the extra that I posted up yesterday. Okay. And there's two things that I said they needed to do and they weren't able to do. One, set the tempo. They let the Browns set the tempo, mm -hmm. and after that it was over. Two, run the ball. Once they were down by two touchdowns, they couldn't run the ball because they needed to hurry up and score. Right. Their run production was actually excellent. 5.9, I think, average for Ingram, who had over 70 yards. But once the running game was, was null and void and they had to pass, it was over. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? You know what's so crazy? Like, a lot of people were, I mean, I was shocked and a little bit appalled. But, you know, I was thinking about last season. And I don't know if you remember, Mark, you know, game one versus the Browns last season. We mm -hmm. lost that game. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was an overtime game. You know what I mean? Because I will never forget, yo. I was actually in Europe at the time, and everybody was texting That's me, right. hitting me up, like, yo, the Browns beat y'all, and I, and I could not believe it. So, you know me. I'm all about the stats and everything. I actually went back and took a look at the, uh, the stats for that particular game. Yeah. Yo, and you know what is so crazy? Baker Mayfield had the same exact stats, yo. 342 yards, one touchdown, one interception, both games. And both were here? Yeah. Um, I believe so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so they basically, that, that tells me that the Browns basically kept the same, same game plan that they had the last time. The only difference between this game and the last game, Flacco. anybody. Flacco wasn't there. No. Who, Mark? What's the difference, yo? 
Nick Chubb. Oh God. Nick oh, damn yeah. Chubb, yo. You know what? I gotta catch up on everything. All I know is I was on the light race yesterday on my on my way to work. Uh-huh. And everybody was packed up on the on the um light rail and I yeah. was hearing the what was going on, but I couldn't see the game. Yeah. But I knew what was going Man, on. Man, that thing game. was live, yo. The dog pound was in full effect, yo. But Nick Chubb, he had 165 yards mm. and three touchdowns. You know what I mean? That was the big difference maker. You know, the the Ravens secondary was a little suspect. They gave up some big plays, yo, um, on third down, you know, also. But uh, the, the, Nick Chubb ran all over the Ravens. Were you still was, at the stadium when he ran that 88-yarder? Yeah, I probably, that was I, nice was, when was that? That was in the, man, I was I, so lit. That was towards the third, fourth quarter. I, I texted you with like, what, eight minutes left? I was like, are yeah. you still at the damn game? And I was like, no, nah, I left. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I was, and it was getting crazy out there because oh, the dog pound was. was winning. So they was getting real lit and everything, man. So, so it, 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 it was crazy out there. It was crazy out there. So yeah, um, so yeah, the Ravens took it out there now two and two. Next game is uh, up in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. We got some trash talking in the uh, comments already. What's that? What's that? Clifford Booze. <laughs> Beat y'all ass. Oh! <laughs> oh, that's a Browns fan. Is that a friend of yours? Do you know who Cliff? We've been at the softball game. So oh, hey, hey, what's up, man. Cliff? What's going on? <laughs> There's That's another funny. game. There's another game. Two two divisional games every yeah, year. Come on. Yeah. Y'all better win. Y'all better win. Y'all better win tonight before you can even start talking about next week. <laughs> so uh yeah, we're going we're gonna get into a, a little bit to around the league, league in the NFL and um a little bit later on in the show. Because right now we do have a special guest in the building. We wanna talk a little bit about and to Mr. Dr. Tunes right here. So once again, you know, say what's up. Tell what's everybody up, where you from. I'm from Baltimore. I'm from Woodmore, though, from Woodlawn, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, grew up in Baltimore. Uh, I grew up in Baltimore County in particular, you know, Woodlawn, but West, West Baltimore. My, my parents grew up there. And um, I'm an artist, you know, Dr. Tunes. And what is your art right now? Well, right now, I'm working on a mural project on Bank of Exodus Street in Little Italy. And that's a 50-foot mural of, uh, um, um, it's, it's like an interpretation of an artist named Yori who paints, who painted up a restaurant called Cafe Gia's on High Street. And what I did was I did my own version of his piece to capture what Little Italy looks like. But I have, but as far as my artwork, I have lots of murals around the city. This is the latest. I have um, different ones in different neighborhoods, comic books that match the murals, and I do a lot of um, outreach stuff in the neighborhoods. Um, but you know, off record, it's, you know, it's a lifestyle I live as an artist. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, okay. So, who is Doctor Tunes? How did you come up with the name Doctor Tunes? Okay, so. Um, I'm gonna keep it Baltimore too. All right, that's what we show. want, man. Shit, that's what okay. the people tuned in for. Okay, so, um, officially, the first thing I ever did Doctor Tunes on was College Bound Foundation. It was a project I did to get back into college. But see, the thing was, I had a friend named, you know, her name. Um, I I go by. I'll talk creatively right now. We had an artistic name. Her right. She used to write Apple C. That was her graffiti name. She was from Brooklyn, New York. She was in the Bronx doing what they call hip-hop before they called it hip-hop. She was 12 years older than me and taught me so much about the culture of what they called hip-hop. But 
it was graffiti writing, you know. Um, well, not graffiti writing, it called it writing. And she passed away from cancer in 2000, but before she passed away, I was trying to create my own name. You know, I, I wrote, I used to write Tyson backwards, which is my last name. I used to write that in graffiti backwards when I was in high school and through college. And then I said, let me come up with the perfect name. Her name was Apple C. I liked the name Apple. And then I said, all right, let me match Apple with doctor. Because, uh, you know, she was she had cancer. So when she was in the hospital, I would do drawings to kind of, I felt like making her laugh and stuff like that was a healing factor that could kind of get things to flow, you know, to make her feel good while she was going through what she was going through. So I felt like I was a doctor in my own right. So I made up the name before she had a chance to really digest the name. She was overdosing off of chemotherapy and cold medicine, you know. Yeah. She passed away. I created a name. So she passed away. I'm in the house saying, Dr. Toons, Dr. Toons. I take this, all the pictures I drew as I was taking myself through self-therapy, you know, drawing pictures of us, whatever stuff I wanted to draw, you know, based on what she taught me about hip-hop in particular, you know. But also our life, I took all these things down to Baltimore Office of Promotion, the, Promotion and the Arts in Baltimore, Maryland. I said, look, I'm an artist from Baltimore. Please promote me. And Randy Vega down there and a guy named Gary Cachadorian sat down and talked to me and um, I think at the time I also did a book for College Bound Foundation and um, that brought me into the rec centers and stuff and Dr. Toons I started to carry my friend Apple on my heart mm -hmm. you know and try to use her story about the codes with hip hop to help the youth to know that there's more of a positive message to put in and not just with rapping but with Graffiti writing, painting, dancing, you know, it's a lot to it, but I'm also on the visual art side of things, you know. Nice. Nice. Let's take it back to the youth because you guys might not know. I mean, me and Dr. Toons, we go way back, way, way back. Like, we went to grade school together way back. Like, I think we started our friendship, what, in fifth grade? Fifth grade, yeah. Yes. That's it. Yes, yes, at the, uh, up at John Paul Regional Catholic School. Yeah, with Dogwood Road and Woodlawn. Yeah, and um, Donald was always one of the most talented gentlemen in the, well, the kids, let me say at the time, kids. Thank you. <laughs> in the classroom, um, he was always dry, uh, drawing, and uh, he was really big into the comic books, you know, um, Wolverines and, and and you know <laughs> yeah, yeah that shit was was big with him and so um let can we just talk a little bit about how you even got into to drawing like even back then because I mean shit 10 11 years old your drawings and you know were so advanced you know now that I, I think back you know what I mean like yeah. it was it, that shit was legit how did you start doing that well first of all I gotta say all right my father my father drew all right. Okay. And um, he actually told me he drew. I I remember he drew a picture, a mural of Winnie the Pooh on my wall in Carriage Hill Apartments. He said I copied E. T. under my crib when I was two. I don't know, but that's what he said. It was the first <laughs> time I drew. But my man, James, my man James Randall, okay, he's yeah. a mutual friend of us. I grew up with. I actually knew his. See, he's like almost like a cousin to me because his his mother and my mother went to school together. And when we was in kindergarten at a school called John Paul Regional Catholics, no, 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 St. Charles. St. Charles, yeah. In Subbrook, we went to that school together. And he used to draw dogs. I used to draw dinosaurs. 
And we used to just draw, right? I was Dinosaur Donald, he was Jay-Z, drew the dogs. And you were freehand in this, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Both of us would draw together. Right. And then, I don't know, I mean, over time, I just kept doing it. My father did it, you know? So at one time, I remember this, right? Mm -hmm. I remember when I went to kindergarten, I, I think I was in like first grade maybe. All right, so the teacher said she was going to hang the picture I did on the wall. And I thought I was in trouble. Because I didn't know, you know, I'm like, right. you know, but it was a good thing to have my picture hung on the wall in front of people, you know? And that's mm -hmm. when I realized that, okay, because I thought everybody could draw, really. You know, we're all young drawing. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't think, I didn't think I had no talent or nothing, you know. But when people said I had talent, I'm like, oh, what's, the, you know, I, I didn't even know what talent was, really. You know, I just did it, you know. It came naturally. Yeah, so a lot of the stuff in life just comes natural. Did you me. ever take classes as you got older? Yeah. In advance, you did start taking yeah, yeah. classes and my mother, skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, my mother wasn't an artist. My, my father was the one. But my mother was the one who put me in classes. Mm -hmm. She made sure. Matter of fact, when I was in Catholic school, you know, um, sometimes, back then, I don't think we had ADHD labels on us, but it was something like <laughs> <Right>. that, similar. <laughs> no, they just right, say right. you're dumb. <laughs> yeah. You're dumb, hey, you look, sit your ass and we, got some, we got some comments on it, too. Look, Kanae Pilot, he said, he's yeah, been drawing Kine. forever, like, probably before we could even write cursive, and that shit is real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, back in those days, they used, they used to tell us something that I can't explain how they, you know, ADHD is some kind of, if you ever look it up, ADHD, and you get your brands on your children with that, they used to describe those characteristics in us when we was growing up in the 80s. But my mother, what she did was she heard them say these type of things that sounded like ADHD. She said, no, he has he likes to draw. I think my doctor or whatever, at the time, they try to get you medic, you know. Yeah. So they gotta, you got to see what's wrong with you. Right? right. But no, no, my mother said, ain't nothing wrong with him. He's just into art. You know, so right. that's what she put me into stuff like that. And nurtured that. Exactly. And that and so through that I had lessons, mm -hmm. you know, outside of my father, mm -hmm. outside of you know and then on top of that I also wanted to learn my own thing. So sometimes I would look at cartoons, draw my own stuff. Mm -hmm. Self motivation. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. How did you get into doing the comic book stuff? Because that's that's like the that's what I, I our beginning. You know, I was like, I, this is the guy that can draw all the X-Men. Like, you know what I mean? And you would, you know, hand out some of your drawings sometimes. You, you know, know what I mean? Funny. Yeah, like, all right, so Ninja Turtles. I remember Ninja <laughs> Turtles, right? That's the first comic book I ever had, right? It was Easton and Laird's Ninja Turtles, right? Lars okay. Laird's. I forgot how to pronounce the name. but it was... The old black and white version. Right. They originally did it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was hardcore. <laughs> it was hardcore, too, right? And so I read it. I loved it, right? And then I started drawing them first. And, and then also video games like Nintendo, like Mario Brothers had me drawing them. Like I, I used to open up. Remember back in the day, I don't know if anybody remembers this, back in when you had Nintendo, right? They used to have video game books that you get from the store. You open the game and Wait, see the, the maps of the yeah. whole yeah. board, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would draw like little maps of boards of my own little video games and make it up. So that kind of, you know, created like, a, I don't know, like an adventure type story. But anyway, right. so... I kind of combined it like video games with the Ninja Turtles, and then I started to draw. And then as time went on, I'm going to tell you, hip-hop was a big thing, but then my man Aaron Lemon, right? I don't know why. We went to school with Aaron. Yes. We He used to read X-Men, and I mm -hmm. read the X-Men book. 
and I'm gonna tell you, it's funny. The movies that was out, that's mm-hmm. out now, mm-hmm. they were actually doing dealing with that the Infinity Club, the Infinity Wars movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That comic book just came out at that time. That was the one I was reading, the X Men and the Infinity Wars movie. Right. I was reading all them. And I was just drawing those comic books, but then, be honest with you, I think what happened was. I didn't know any, this is funny, I'm gonna say this because um, Black Panther, when you talk about like black superheroes, or well, um, I didn't really know there was any back then, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I didn't even know about Black Panther. So right. when I showed my family the characters I made up, it was, they said, where's your black superheroes? I made them looking like X-Men, right? This is the innocence mm-hmm. of a young child growing up and he mm-hmm. sees no images of people looking like him. All I saw was, all I knew was hip hop was superheroes to me. Mm-hmm. So I said I started drawing my bro- people that look like brothers I grew up with that I looked up to that told me to keep drawing and stay out of trouble. Right. So I made up a little kid. So this is when I left St. Jo- left um, John Paul and went to Mill for Mill and right. I created a book. Listen to Tupac Shakur. He said, never ignorant getting goals accomplished. I created a book called Aginville. Okay. A-G-G-I-N. And I took all my friends and different people in Mill for Mill, because coming from <laughs> Catholic school, right, going to high school, mm-hmm. and at the time it was lots of, let's say, I don't know if you remember, but in the 90s there was, a lot of the projects in the inner city of Baltimore were being imploded and destroyed, and a lot of people from those projects were being moved out to the county. Mm-hmm. It was overcrowded. Milford was so, Milford Mill High, Milford Mill Academy was so overcrowded, we didn't have, like, we would have, like, 50 people in the classroom, like, people didn't even know it would be like twenty, like ten extra people on a on a roll call. They didn't know what class they were supposed to go in, mm. so we was going from classroom to classroom. I'm drawing, you know what I mean, and I'm trying. I don't know. I'm I'm not trying to be bullied by the older ones. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm drawing like all the characters and brothers looking at my pictures and loving that. But I, I took all the different rap stereotypes and personas and different characters. And I just created a book called Agonville. And, and, and people kept saying, put me in the book and stuff like that. <laughs> and I had a book where people in Milford that was in the book passed this book around. And I got it to my art teacher named Valerie Wallman, who was the daughter of Jean Colin. And, you know, I don't know if I'm talking. Am I talking too much? Go ahead. No, man. Shut this the interview, baby. Okay, okay. So, all right, so... Miss Valerie Waldman, and you know what I gotta say, uh, rest in peace. I think, cause this is the sad part about last scene. I, I was gonna reach out to her, and there's an obituary online. But rest in peace to Valerie Valerie Waldman. Um, her her father, Gene Colan, used to draw for Black, um, Marvel Comics and DC Comics, mm. and in particular, the epic version of Black Panther, the Black Panther comic book called Panther's Quest. If you Google that, you can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, Miss Waldman wasn't really close to her father, you know. And I met Gene Cohen a little later. He explained to me how hard it is for a comic book artist to really stay in touch with his family. So when I was at Milford Mill drawing my Aginville comic book, Miss Waldman saw it. She said, "Look, you got an A from." sophomore year to senior year don't worry about it right? mm-hmm. and I just would come into our classroom and just draw and then um, she, she 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 would teach me things she would expose mm-hmm. me to different she helped me get a museum mm-hmm. exhibit at what, Walter's Art Gallery no Baltimore Museum of Art mm-hmm. you know and 
All right, cool. Well, look, we're going to take a quick break, about a two-minute break, and when we come back, we're going to kind of slide towards the present and talk about, uh, you know, some music. You know, we talked a little bit about, you mentioned Public Enemy, and we'll talk about how that, you know, has influenced your art as well, and we'll also talk about what's going on with you right now. So uh, don't go anywhere, you guys. Just a bit outside. We'll be right back. Hey, Outsiders, Mark here, Just A Bit Outside Radio Show. Thanks for checking out this episode of Just A Bit Outside Radio Show. Uh, we're all over the podcasting sites. We're on Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, Anchor, of course, which is the host for this uh, podcast, and a couple of other uh, podcasting platforms. I'm going to do my best to get a comprehensive list of all of our podcasting sites on the Just A Bit Outside Radio Show Facebook page. And uh, that way, you know, not everyone listens to the big sites. Some people prefer the smaller podcasting sites, and that's totally fine. Um, we had a great time chopping it up with Dr. Tunes. One of the things I said uh, on our Real of Wrestling AEW Dynamite wrap-up show uh, about this episode was that uh, one of the things I really enjoy about interviews is when Keisha and I were there to get someone's story. The less we talk, the better. And that's exactly what happened with this Dr. Tunes episode. Dr. Tunes has an amazing story. Uh, talks about growing up, talks about his murals, talks about uh, his influences. And it was just such a great thing to, to sit back and listen to. And I mean, I know it's a funny thing to say. You know, we have a radio show, we should be talking. But the less we talk, the better it is. And I think the episode here. Dr. Tunes just giving us such a great story of his life and, and uh, what got him to the uh, I mentioned the AEW Dynamite wrap-up show. Real on Wrestling, it's been a segment of Just a Bit Outside Radio Show for quite a while. We did a uh, WrestleMania preview. Um, you know, that was uh, an experimental show, and it was all solo, so it didn't really come out that well, but, you know, we got it out of the way, and I mean, now I'm okay with it. Uh, this AEW debuted, and I brought out, brought back the Real On Wrestling solo show, or not solo, but uh, and uh, had my buddy Gary Godso give a call in, and we talked about uh, AEW's broadcast. It was moments after the broadcast wrapped up, uh, gave me a call, and we uh, just you know chatted about it, and uh, I, I thought it came out really well. There were some audio issues, new new platform that I'm recording on and uh, you know just those live and learn kind of things but uh, it's a total fans and AEW is that new company lots of uh, buzz behind it uh, if you're a wrestling fan from the past especially the old WCW days you might dig it uh, but give that podcast a listen uh, definitely a, a good time uh, chopping it up with Jerry, Gary about the uh, show Uh so yeah, get back into it. Dr. Tunes right here, just a bit outside radio show. All right, you guys, welcome back. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Um, I believe uh, people are really loving the uh, the show for real because I believe we got some some comments. Oh yeah. Uh, Mark, you wanna wanna get into 
the questions and comment? We got uh, Jennifer Holbrook. Love this. So often a child that is creative is misunderstood or stifled. Props to all following their dreams and to the people that support them. And I can't say enough, like, you know, my, my stepson, he's like 14 now, but from the time he was like two, he was drawing just like you. And, uh, like, you see that progression as he gets older, just amazing. And definitely, like, you know, got to tell him, keep on doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. the art the art industry itself is kind of dying because a lot of, you know, they're taking out music and art in schools and mm. things like that. And yeah. and that's how a lot of kids express themselves. You know, a lot of kids, right. like you said before, they may classify them as ADHD. They that's just their artistic you know, you know, I can't sit still because my mind, I'm thinking of this, you talking this, and I'm seeing this, you know. Right. Right. Let them express themselves. A lot of these kids, you know, that's why a lot of them have issues because they're being stifled by the public school system. Right, right. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Um, you know, when we left off, we were talking about how the comics and, and how things um, influence your art uh, early on in life. And mm -hmm. I kind of want to, you know, fast forward a little bit to, you know, um, high schools um, and uh, say like your your early 20s, you okay. know. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, even when we back when we was in like seventh grade, for real, for real, I mean, you, you were big in the public enemy back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Back when we were in middle school. But um, ha has music played... Uh, uh, a major part in your art and uh, in, in your in your expression because I mean honestly like when I when I see a lot of your stuff um, around town you know one of my favorites is uh, underneath the bridge there's uh, a woman she has a hat on mm. um, she's black I think she might be pushing a wheelbarrow she has a um, she has a um, farmer suit on yes yeah. yes yes and, mm. and a couple people you know have seen that really? and they like yo that looks like your mom. I'm like, you know, I'm pretty sure my mom was an inspiration for this painting. But, you know, I always loved how you like to capture, you know, um, black people. And, you know, mm -hmm. I've always, you know, I always think back to, you know, how, you know, militant and, and public enemy, like you was really, you was really down with it. You know what I mean? So, you know, how much did that play a factor into how your art changed from, you know, like to your adolescence to... To everything like I, I gotta say this maybe you can laugh with me when I say this right because <laughs> we, right. we went to Catholic school right yeah yeah and you know you go to Catholic school you learn about angel you know you learn about heaven and stuff like that right so but when I was in school when I was growing up remember the earth when the fire covers with the pyramids on it <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the um Earth, when the fire, they had afros, they would have clothes, they look angelic to me. Yeah. So yeah. I thought I already knew what the heaven looked like. <laughs> so when I went to, when I went to Catholic school and I saw that, I said, all right, well, they're trying to tell me something, but it don't quite match the heaven I already know. Cause I look, I used to, when I was little, I used to look at the album covers, right? And study the Funkadelic album covers, study the Earth, when the fire album covers, the OJs listen to the music and look at how the pictures look at how the pictures matched mm -hmm. the music mm -hmm. and the art on those covers was so out of this world right and the videos it was not that many videos back then but right. if you ever looked at a few videos they were so high vibrational mm -hmm. with the afros mm -hmm. and so <laughs> spiritual right and my father, he was talking out of this world anyway. He used to always talk about the spiritual journey and this mm -hmm. Cherokee, whatever. 
you know, Blackfoot Cherokee history. So as he's talk, talking all that, I'm listening to Earth, Wind & Fire, hearing high vibrational music. It's telling me that I have to do something with my art that expresses what music is trying to say. So everything I would hear as far as hip hop was, so especially when they talked about graffiti, mm -hmm. I started to be able to see sound, I would say. That's what I would say, because I would right. see the, I would hear the music and see the colors and then interpret the slang. And that's why, that's everything. Like in the 20s, when, when I went, so when I met my friend Apple C, uh -huh. like I said, she was from Brooklyn, but she was in Bronx doing what they call hip hop, before they called it hip hop. And she would tell me so many stories about what they was doing. But like when I say before they called it hip hop, you're talking about just what they call revolutionary rap. And if you mm -hmm. listen, if you know about Public Enemy, they were a very revolutionary group. Mm -hmm. It was all about power to the people. That means all people, okay? But it was, it, they had a pro black perspective from the perspective of trying to give us our own voice to speak. You know what I mean? A lot of, at, during those times, we didn't have our own platform to tell our story you know we were a public enemy at that time you know the and the public looked at what you would call black as you know something um criminal in a sense that's why nwa would have you know that niggas with attitude thing because you a lot of times you would look on cops and see the bad boys bad boy you would see the guy with no shirt running down the street you know <laughs> like, you know but you never heard his story so rap gives you a story that makes you not just stereotype us as the criminal but let us know the things we went through and public enemy revolution for apple was telling me lots of stuff that you don't really hear in the music but it's it goes all the way back to what they call you look and you know in history about how they say that the slaves with hot codes and the music negro spirituals it translates all the way through rock and roll, through mm -hmm. bebop, through funk, through hip hop. And I kinda felt like I was gonna put it in a comic book. So right. when the so when my friend Apple passed away, well before she passed away, I was always saying, Look, let's create a story um that could kinda bridge the gap where the older generation could put this information for the younger generation to get. So she wrote the word us space than Utes. I don't know what it meant, but it just, like I said, U-S space Y-O-U-T-Z. I wrapped it around this comic book for this, just to throw back a classic, you know, cover for, that reminds me of what she wrote. But if you look at the book that I made, it's, I made a book called The Legend of the Black Face Joker. You know, inspired, it, really be honest with you, Flavor Flav inspired it. He was the Joker. You know, um, playing the dozens inspires it, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Professor Griff inspires it. I I did a lot of I, I used to move I, I did a lot of things with a lot of brothers over the years, you know. It was honored to be in the presence of a lot of different ones and work with different ones after Apple passed away. I don't wanna ramp too much. But no, you're good. You're doing good. So, um so how did this lead to um teaching and projects and, and working with rec centers around Baltimore? Okay, so when App when Apple passed away from cancer, like I said, I was drawing. Um, I guess I would say self therapy, like going through what I you know. Then I took the work down to Baltimore Office of Promotion of the Arts. Oh, John Erickson. I worked at Charlestown Retirement Community, and John Erickson, who mm -hmm. owned Charlestown Retirement Community, you know, um, he actually became a good friend of mine 
because I did a project. You know, if you if anybody were ever worked at Charlestown <clears throat> Retirement Community or um any of the retirement communities that John Erickson owns, if you work there or work over a thousand hours, what you can get is a scholarship of a thousand dollars every year that you go to school for four year. So you stay four thousand dollars, thousand dollars applied every year that you go to a four year school. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I was like eight hours away from it. I worked like 990 some hours officially in the kitchen under Charlestown. But before I worked at Charlestown, I did an illustration for Erickson, John Erickson to advertise for a retirement center in Detroit called okay. Heavy Ford Village, which pretty much benefited the company, right? So my mother wrote a letter to John Erickson. He said, yeah, he, he definitely helped benefit our company for more than a thousand hours. But not only that, he took me out of the kitchen and brought me to the television station so I could work at Channel 6. I was the first intern, I think. There was no other intern. There was no intern position there. Now it was interns that go there and intern at Channel 6 at Charlestown or different retirement centers he owns. Before that, I think he actually created that for me. And I went there and I learned television stuff. And um, after working with John Erickson, um, and, and, I'm beyond, and, and to tell you, to tie him to... Me and Jody was, me and Apple, I told you her name, Jody. Apple, me and Apple both worked at Charlestown together. And while she was going through her, um, you know, cancer, John Erickson, he knew about it and he assisted us well. When she passed away, he knew about it and helped me get back into school. He helped me, um, I was, since I went to Mill for Mill, went to county schools, um, he had a friend named, Craig Spillman, who worked for the College Bound Foundation to help city school children. Since I went to a county school, I couldn't get the benefits of the College Bound Foundation program. But since I was an artist, I drew a book called Produce Kids for the College Bound Foundation, and that's how they paid me to get to Towson University, where I wrote about my friend Apple and how she passed away from cancer. Failed all my classes, except for my memoir writing class, <laughs> right, about writing about her and from there, took that stuff down to Bopa, right? Mm -hmm. Talked to Randy Vega, told her I need to get, you know, find something to do constructive. She brought me to the Easterwood Rec Center. Okay. And that's when I first went there and started to find a way to, how can I say, translate what Apple was telling me through different programs, through, through just talking to the youth at first, until mm -hmm. eventually I created something what they call a chain story where I actually would tell um i had a systematic program that i actually used to bring the youth from um how can i say this you have a level of hip-hop that is pop that pop culture knows about and then you have a <laughs> level of hip-hop that the revolutionary side of things explains but if you don't understand that then you won't know the two sides and how they work together. Say the same thing with art. Right. So I take I use the art mm -hmm. to be a translator immediately to mm -hmm. help to get the children to be symbol literate. That's what my Dr. Toons lab classes were, you know, over time. Once I realized how the youth think different, you know, as mm -hmm. I got older, started seeing how different trends were coming into play, different history was repeating itself. Mm -hmm. We were getting a little older. I said, all right, let me create systems. So I go to rec centers. <clears throat> Went from getting doing programs through BOPA. I mean, I don't know how hardcore you get, but I, after a while, I lost funding, and I would just go to these rec centers by myself. 
and mm-hmm. do programs with no funding. I would do murals. I was working in a mural program, but I was still, I would be living in different hoods, doing, going to the rec centers, doing programs with rec centers, not getting funded with that, you know, changing, getting people to write stories around the murals, talk about their life, being on drugs. I was, there's so many adventures I could explain. Yeah. In these neighborhoods with murals and... We got another comment that kind of relates to what you were just saying. And um, this is from Shannon. She says, art is a general topic that I think can be shared amongst us as our blueprints to show our next generation our Mm -hmm. dreams, hopes, and aspirations. Mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, So... You know, you you were doing you're doing the comic books. You know, you're out there pushing the comic books. You're out there, you know, working with the youth and everything. So now you're doing the, the mural projects. You know, um, how did you make your way down from the rec center to Little Italy? And you know, and this is really how we kind of reconnected, for right. real, for real. So okay, um, I'm working in the rec centers. And like I said, after the rec center, you know, I think the the artist residency, artist and res in residency program lost funding or something or switched funding over, so um, I was still doing a residence, doing my own, going to different rec centers and stuff, but um, I did a I did a mural at a school in Pigtown. Okay with the students in there. That was one of the residencies I did. Usually I don't do murals in schools. I do a, another project, but this time they wanted a mural specifically. That's how I met the mural program director through Bopa named Sean James. Okay. And he um, introduced me to Michael Kirby. And Michael Kirby um, is a great artist from Baltimore who did a lot of mur- murals. He was on the news and stuff. I seen him. I saw him before. So when I worked with him, he... I apprenticed with him for a few years, um, and he actually invited me to go to Gloucester, Virginia, to do a mural program. I mean, sorry, to do a mural based on the story of Pocahontas. We actually were the last, I think we were the last two people to walk on what they call sacred ground, Mm -hmm. um, meaning that that's where the story of Pocahontas took place in Gloucester, Virginia, where John Smith was brought in on the boat. Nice. Met Chief Powhatan. We walked on it. They found arrowheads on the land and found that that was the land. So we had to, you know. But when I was down there, you know, um, my father told me stories about us here, you know. And a lot of the pictures didn't match the stories, you know, that we found, that we hear about in his story. I say history, but I like to say his story, you know, because I like to break the words down, you know. Um, our story, from our perspective, you know, um was quite different than what my friend Michael Kirby was painting, you know. So I said, look, I'm going to go ahead and leave the job and do my own. And then I went down to Baltimore, um, Office of Promotion and Arts. I got the job to do Pennsylvania Avenue mural to talk about. There was a guy named Alvin K. Brunson who used to talk about the history of Pennsylvania Avenue. Mm-hmm. He used to push this um, traveling museum up and down Pennsylvania Avenue to share the history of what was happening in the early what, 20s and 30s and 40s when, um, you know, during segregation times, you know, during the times you would see the blacks only and whites only and during those, that era where it was certain artists that was trying to perform and they had the Chitlin Circuit. If you ever Google, you can Google <laughs> the Chitlin Circuit. Yeah. Um, Pennsylvania Avenue was one of the major, I think it was the first place for black musicians to play 
and you had to win over the Royal Theater in order to get on the Chitlin circuit. Okay, and um, just Google to make sure. But this was what the mural was based on. Alvin K. Brunson, he passed away because a building collapsed on him, and I had to draw, you know, a, a story of a picture of him and the, and the images of Pennsylvania Avenue history. So you see Billy Holiday mm-hmm. on a mural. Um, um, Al um, Brown from the group called Al Brown and the Tomb Top is, you know, it's some history there. That's on Pennsylvania Avenue. That's how I started. And I was on the news from that. Um, got harassed on the neighborhood because of that. I was on the news. See, this is what ties into other murals. Why, you know, being an artist sometimes and living through the struggles trying to make it, you got to face everyday city stuff too. Police. Mm-hmm. Coming up on me, stereotype of me, you know, it happened when I was on Pennsylvania Avenue, had to deal with that. That influenced the next mural, you know. I had to next now. Now I go to the, every mural set. I go to every policeman, let them know who I am, you know. Then communicate with the streets. So I don't, I don't, um, I, I, I want to make sure I stay on track with your question. Yeah, no, but you This goes into what, how I get into the murals. But what happens is, every time I go to, uh, <clears throat> let me say this. When I did the Pennsylvania Avenue mural, I learned a lot. Because that mural, we actually, um, I, I met somebody named Grandma Edna, um, who does storytelling. And she, uh, ooh, from Brownfish, this group called Brownfish, they used yeah, to be yeah, out yeah. back in the day. My yeah. brother, ooh, he came out. We had Jahidi on, on the show before. Shout yeah. him out, man. Yeah, rest in, rest in peace to ooh. Yeah. Salute to Jahidi. Um, B-Fly, <laughs> I used to work with B-Fly at Framing Place and on Liberty Road in Milford. She came out and performed. And when and they had a street party there and something that Shake and Bake for my mural. Linda Richardson, shout out to her. She saved the day for the whole mural project. And when I when I looked at how, how a mural could do something in the community, I said, okay, I want to really do this again in another name. I, I wanted to keep going to unfortunate communities, not ones that are with a lot of support. Mm-hmm. So the next one was Homestead and Polk Street. And when I went there, I started to say, okay, let me see how I could speak to this neighborhood. So I spoke to the neighborhood in my own ways while I put, put knowledge that I had through what Apple taught me about hip-hop and also our own history. And I put it on the wall and did a comic book you know, called Hood Instructions at the same time. And these books, hood instructions, used to be something I would sell or pass around around the neighborhoods, doing these murals. So, um, yeah, the this is this leads up again to this. I mean, I don't know if we're going too forward, but no, it's all good. There's a the book I'm working on now kind of brings together the whole story. And so, what are these hood instructions? I mean, you talking about the the hood instruction and whatnot. So, I guess kind of if somebody was to pick up or you know to see you in the street, and be like, "Yo, you know, I want to get a comic book," or you know, or, you know, what is this all about? Like, what what are the hood instructions? So, okay, hood instructions. I just started like this. I I live. There was some time. It was a time period where I was struggling, doing this art thing. Wasn't making a lot of money. You know, um, and but everywhere I would go, and I would be going up and down the East Coast, Greyhounds. I would hit, I would go to, uh, I went to school in Florida, so I would go up and down the East. So I would go to North Carolina, stay with my sister Martone. That's how I worked with Professor Griffin, met Professor Griffin, different ones um, for Public Enemy. I would go to, to Philly with Abdul, brother named Abdullah Bay, Tyus Tariq Bay, with, um, study Morris Science up there. I would go to New York. 
and um, go to the old stomping grounds where my friend Apple was at. But then every time I would come back to Baltimore, I would always end up <clears throat> taking this information, putting it into these books, and then, um, hold up, so I don't lose my thought. What, what was you asking? The hood instructions. The hood instructions. All right, so I took all those experiences up and down the East Coast and put it in, I say H-I, high hood instructions, right? <laughs> and um, <clears throat> what these were, first of all, I was just basically saying, look, telling the young men to pull their pants up, you know, mm-hmm. and start with basic stuff. Like, a dog is a bitch, Basically, um, a kid is the goat. Um, I started taking slang, like for example, never like nigga, never ignorant, getting goals accomplished. That's something that Tupac said. Ice Cube spelled it. N.W.A. said niggas with attitude. You know, um, there's more to the to to what we call slang. I wanted to put it. In. All right, hip hop for example. If you stand in your b-boy stance, it's right arm over left. You stand in your truth of square. That's a, that's a lot of people don't know that. I had to explain these different things. It, it helps us to really pay attention to the small details of things that you may ask yourself: Why is the sky blue? Why is water wet? Why do we call our children kids? Maybe I didn't answer how the sky was blue or how it was water wet, but you can actually tell that a child is. If you look at the dictionary, it says a kid is a goat. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started thinking about what is cursing. Is shit a curse word versus kid? I mean, I'm calling my child a goat. So I started looking at words and playing with that. And the more I started to play with that, I started to say, oh, wow. Social. En- I started I saw a term called social engineering. And I said, wow, wait a minute. Social engineering is <clears throat> when you could actually say something to somebody and there's another definition behind the popular definition, but people are actually acting on the true definition behind the scenes, but not knowing it. Mm-hmm. There's an appetite, you know, that art, <clears throat> colors, flavors can stimulate. And so that, that really is what Hood Instructions was, was doing. Hood Instructions was just showing maybe a boy with his pants hanging down, but he had a black face on. He had a black face like a minstrel show character. Mm-hmm. And he was the book was explaining how that you have a nigga that was created by a mainstream popular audience that at that time when nigga would first of all the first form of American entertainment was the minstrel show. If you do your Google it, you look at it. Okay. That's blackface, you know. Mm-hmm. And so now in the popular culture where you see young um and I don't like to say African-American. That's another whole story right there. You know, because I'll say America. And if you common sense, America is the whole Western Hemisphere of the planet Earth. You look at it like North America is right there. South America is right there. What is it? The whole Western Hemisphere of the planet Earth is America. That's real. It's just something to look at. So when I looked at what it meant to be African-American, I said to myself, well, there was already people here. My father told me the story about us here. <laughs> You know, so when I started to talk about this hood instruction story and I started to look at nigga and I started to see that, oh, okay, the, the the everyday family had been that was over here was broken down into menstrual characters. And now I see in the future, quote unquote, now we're in the 2000s, you have this younger generation that is playing into stereotypes that pretty much was already laid out in the mm-hmm. 20s and mm-hmm. the 10, you know, they've been saying winches and bitches and, you know, <laughs> different stuff like that you know the, the, the brute 
A brute is a male dog. Like a mm -hmm. female dog is a bitch. They would mm -hmm. actually call slaves brutes on the plantations. But you don't hear nobody saying brute today, mm -hmm. but you hear bitch. Mm -hmm. So that's what hood instruction is. That's a whole nother conversation too. Yeah, that's what hood instruction. And, and on top of that, I like the fact you're talking about sports because see now now we get into the game of rap. Right. So you had the revolutionary side. You hear people talk about the game, the hustle. But well, see, wait a minute, hold that yeah. thought, though, because we're about to take, you about to go into something else. We're going to take yeah. one more quick break, you guys. When we come back, we're going to talk about the game, and we're going to wrap this thing up. And then we also, before uh, before we get too deep in the game, we're going to have everybody pick their Monday Night Football uh, scores, because we got a battle of two Owen teams. Mm. Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals. Neither one of these motherfuckers have won a game yet. Uh, so, somebody got to win a night. We're going to let y'all know who when we come back. On just a bit outside. Y'all don't go nowhere. Hey everyone, Mark here, Just A Bit Outside Radio Show. Check us out on Facebook, Just A Bit Outside Radio Show dash J-A-B-O. That's Just A Bit Outside Radio Show dash J-A-B-O. We're also on Twitter, Just A Bit Outside Radio Show. You can find us at J-A-B Outside Radio, J-A-B Outside Radio on Twitter. And on podcasting sites, Just A Bit Outside Radio Show presents... Check out podcasting sites, Just A Bit Outside Radio Show Presents. We're on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, a few other podcasting sites out there. If you uh, go to the Facebook page, uh, hopefully in the next week I'll get a, a comprehensive list of all the uh, podcasting sites up there with links so it's uh, easy to find. And, uh, you know, thanks for tuning in this episode with uh, Dr. Tunes. Dr. Tunes has an amazing story. I said it before. Really enjoyed sitting there listening to him. Uh, but in this segment, we uh, finish up the interview with Dr. Tunes. Then we get back into the world of sports. A uh, Just a Bit Outside radio show staple, the Booty Huff and the Come Through. We uh, give our picks on uh, who did exactly that in the world of sports. Who came through and who is Booty Huff. And also we uh, do a little bit of a WTF action because there's always something that's WTF in the world of sports. Hey, our next episode of Just About Outside Radio Show airs live on Facebook on October the 13th. It's a Monday. Uh, we should go on the air around 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And I already have a couple of really good WTFs ready for that show because... The world of sports has some wacky stuff going on. But uh, thanks again for listening to this episode. Check out the Facebook page. Okay, you guys. 
thanks for sticking around. Thank you so much. As you can see, we are back. I still got my man Mark in here. I still got my man Dr. Toons. I still got my homegirl repping that blue, representing them boys. Hold up, hold up. Sophia in the building. Yo, so uh, when we left off talking about Dr. Toons, man, we've been talking about art. We've been talking about music. We've been talking about comics. And you just started to go in talking about the game. And you were saying, you know, like this is a sports show. And I kind of wanted you to uh, continue along with that. Well, I was thinking about, you know, the game of, um, I was tying in the hip-hop. Mm -hmm. You know, if you listen to music, a lot of times they talk about the game, you know. Like there's a rapper named Game, you know, mm -hmm. salute. Um, so when you're looking at something that has culture intertwined, a subculture, where you have graffiti, breakdancing, or DJing as the core elements of what they call hip-hop, but now... You know, it expands. It expands to another generation in a different format. You have a game where all these little things are taking place. Where these different we we all can express ourselves as characters. Now, the game is with the finance, though. You know what I mean? Because people are making money, throwing the money around. You know, trying to um, win the popularity contest. But in the popularity contest, you have to deal with exploitation. You know, so. There's a little bit of this where me as an artist, I try to balance that what what we exploit with the story that we're really trying to tell. Like, you know, I mean, we might talk about the struggle and things we've been through, but if it doesn't benefit us to tell the story, if we're only explain, explaining this shit to glorify the dumbness and, it, and it's allowing the children to be misled, we're defeating the purpose of what this thing was that we call hip-hop. And we already knew that because we were supposed to use that to bring people together, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that's what I mean as far as the game. Like, straighten mm -hmm. out the game. There's rules to the game. First of all, is um, this whole thing was a is rooted in revolutionary rap, not as far as, like, trying to take over anything, but allow us... See... Us having our own voice is us to overcoming something in ourselves that we didn't really have the opportunity to express in our own natural state on this planet. Like, it was a time period we couldn't even say anything. So, it seems like hip-hop is being aggressive, you know, to try to say something that is challenging mm -hmm. to the status quo you know but really it's not it's just a voice that was suppressed trying to speak mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so in that when we as 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 the people who's trying to speak is tell this narrative that unites us all we don't want to pass that point and start to party our asses into some kind of <laughs> dumbass ex exploitation when now we so fucked up, high and drunk and stupid, right? That that our children get lost in the whole path that we set this up for. Right, right. So that's what the hood instructions was. That's the, what the game is. I'm just trying to make sure that the game doesn't get lost. You know, we don't get lost in what we what we playing this. That's you know? what's up. So. What do you let's let's talk about now the present? You know, what I mean, what are you doing like right now? Like we said, we talked about the uh, the mural in Little Italy, uh, across um, what what street is that? That's on like Exeter and um, 
Exeter, Exeter and, and Eastern Avenue, pr- pretty much. Yeah, not yeah. right down the street from where we we used yes. to bump into each other at. Yeah, do you have any other murals street. that you're working on right now? Yeah, on Bank and Exeter Street in Little Italy. Excuse me, in Little Italy, um, across the street from the Little Italy parking garage, you can look up on the um, roof of this building and see a picture of. Matter of fact, I don't know if people can see. I'll show the camera. I don't know, but um, it's buildings. And these buildings are done in the style of an artist named Yuri, Y-U-R-I. He passed away. This this artist used to paint a lot of... The, he painted a lot of the images in a restaurant called um, Cafe Gia's mm-hmm. on High Street, 410 South High Street. And um, Giovanna, she um, got me to take one of his pictures and copy this image in my own way on the wall on Bank and Exeter Street. So that's what I'm working on. I just finished it two days ago. Um, we're still taking pictures, and we're on. I think on the um, what is it? The eighth. I'm gonna be sure. I'll, I'll let you all know the date on the event. If there's an okay. event that takes place as far as the unveiling and this news articles and stuff, I'll let you know. But that's what we're working on now. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, for any for any fans that you just got tonight, and um, for people who do know you, I mean, how can people follow you on social media? How can how can new fans stalk you and, and follow your every move and everything you got going on? Um, okay, you can Google. Well, Google D-O-C-T-A space T-O-O-N-Z. See what you find. Stuff will pop up. But that's also my Facebook. Um, and, um, you got Instagram? Instagram, mm-hmm. DocTunes, D-O-C-T-O-O-N-Z. And it's a couple of them. I'm sorry, y'all. I need to delete the ones that don't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get used to this. All right, well, look. Hit this... them all up, and I'll respond to the ones. You know what Use the Google. <laughs> that shit is legit. <laughs> uh, all right, really, we're going to wrap this interview up really quickly with the Just a Bit Outside Fade 5. And we give um, our guests a topic, and they give us you give us the Fade 5 on the topic. So... We talked about music and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, give me your. F- um, you listen to music when you when you paint murals and whatnot. All, yes. All right. Well, what, what what five musical artists do you have in rotation right now while you out there mm-hmm. painting and, and doing your thing? They're not popular. Uh, don't we don't give a damn. We want him. Sean Price. Okay. Sean Price. You say Sean Price isn't popular. Oh, he's popular. Yeah, but some of them they not. He's not. All right, Sean Price. Keep that shit 100. Come um, on, man. Russell, um, Don't commercialize Earth with, this. Earth, Wind, and Fire. I listen to them because I want to. Um, uh, who else? Um, he said because I want to. Wu Tag is on because Hulu. They show the Hulu. Oh, yeah. Old Dirty Bastard. I listen to him right now. <laughs> um, Two more. Rock Marciano. Okay. All right, he's popular nowadays. And um. To be honest with you, Sadat X, because I, I worked with Sadat X and I stayed up with Sadat X. That's what's up. From Brand New B. Hey, man, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. All right, you guys, outsiders, we're going to get just a bit inside. We're going to get back on that football field. Tonight, it's Monday Night Football game. It's a game going on right now. But really quickly, we're going to talk about the battle of two Owens. Yes. Two O and three teams. They both in the AFC North. We and Baltimore know them very well. We are talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Yo, we got Andy Dalton. He's still QB for Cincinnati. Then they got some new guy. They're there in Pittsburgh. I don't even know this guy's name. What's his name? 
Mad dog, oh, mad bum. I don't give a damn. Yeah. But, uh, you know, because he's, he's down with the enemy, so I'm, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not even going to try to acknowledge that. <laughs> so, Sophia, who do you think is going to take tonight's game? What's your take? And if you want to, give a score, man. Uh, I think the Steelers are going to win, and the score is oh, going to be, shit. I want to say, like, 21 13. 21-13. Like, you know, Jay's a big Bengals fan, and Bengals are hot trash. Man, well, Jay, I believe. I believe in the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, They're giving the, the Dolphins a run for their money. Come on. Uh, I, I, I don't got them. The I, I don't Dolphins? know. Really? Yeah, I guess. Well, do, you think they're ta- do you think they're tanking? I don't think they're tanking on purpose. They're just bad. Fuck that. They're going to beat the Steelers today. They're going to beat the Steelers today. No. I'm going with it. They are beating the Steelers today. And I am going... I'm going... Study long, study wrong. Right. God damn. I'm going to go 27-24. Bengals. There we go. Because I think it's going to be a whole lot of offense because both defenses are straight garbage. I mean, I know you're not really a big football guy. You're a, you're a boxing guy. Yeah, I like but. boxing better. I mean, but but it's, you know what? I pe- I stay up. This is what I do. I kind of just watch all the players <laughs> first, all the uh, games, right? Yeah. Try to see what's happening. See, And then after a while, I jump in. But I'm always on the Ravens side, though, because I'm yeah. Baltimore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I okay. don't know, you know? So then, shit, you gonna go with me? He's going with the Bengals, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> He's going it, it, with the Bengals. The game is going on right now. First quarter is coming to an end. Oh about God. what? Three minutes left. Yeah. Bengals are up three nothing. Just punted. That doesn't. Oh, well, I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We about to get out here and finish drinking them beers. Sophia, yo, what you? What, wait, wait, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, Sophia. What your Cowboys got to do to get back on the next on the right track next week? Man, first of all, we gonna win. That gonna, <laughs> that gonna throw the ball in front of the players and not behind them. And hold up, because Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy he Shitwater, was terrible last night. Right. Yeah, yeah. Teddy on Teddy Shitwater. Our, our defense, you know, I mean, we were slipping. We did play a better team than the first three weeks. I I give the Saints that much, but Dak was fucking up last night. He threw like 500 yards off us and still lost. Yeah. Uh, somebody said, talk about our favorite quarterback, Joe Flacco. There is nothing to talk about Joe right. Flacco. No, he no, no, completely no. dropped. They they dropped that game. The Who did defense they play again? again. The defense. The Who Jacksonville. 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 Oh, my gosh. Again on a last but, second no, field goal. Same Joe Flacco, guy. though. Minchie. Throwing yeah, interceptions, yeah. throwing picks. Yeah, getting Minchie's chicks and good. throwing picks, baby. Minchie's good. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep an eye on them. Jacksonville was looking, looking pretty good. Well, then again, they were playing Denver. <laughs> right. So look, you guys, we'll be back in Hold two up. weeks with what? What's you up? ain't gonna do booty huff or anything? Oh, you wanna do some booty huff? Did you pick them or? Yeah, we can do okay, it. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do that shit real fast. All right, cool. Who you got? Booty huff. Booty huff. Vontez perfect. Did you hear the news today? 
Oh, yeah. He's, he's out. out for the year. Suspended. I, I, how does he keep coming back? What, when he's... what did he do? Wait a minute. What did he do? He did a helmet to helmet. Uh, intentional. Oh. Yeah. It's his 13th suspension yeah, in his seven suspe- years of playing. He's suspended for the rest of the year. Third for uh, for an intentional Perfect. injury. Or intentional. Uh, Perfect. Uh, yeah, rough. Yeah. He said, "What's booty huff?" So, uh, oh. really quickly, uh, we we be having these booty huff and come through picks. So, okay. booty huff is like, yo, um, you know, somebody just fucked up or was playing like trash. Somebody okay. that's garbage. Yeah. Um, you know, I do. I have a booty huff. I, yeah, I got a booty huff pick. I got a booty huff pick. Um, <laughs> what? Gee, Mark, what was the Thursday night game? Oh God. Uh, that shit was uh, straight uh, booty huff. Eagles and Dag on um uh, Packers. Yes. Yes. That uh, shit was straight booty huff. Oh, yo, the yeah. Green Bay go Green Bay. Yeah, yo, that yeah, yo, yeah, that yeah, shit yeah. was I'm crazy. Mad. I lost money on that one. Did you, yeah. <laughs> you must have taken easy money as advice. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the Eagles fans in Green Bay with the Philadelphia cream cheese hats? No, yeah. no. Yeah. No. They were doing it up. <laughs> Tag, man. I'm gonna watch the game. I'm gonna start staying up with the games now. Uh, who's your come through pick of the week? Oh, in honor of Sophia, the New Orleans Saints. Oh, get <laughs> <laughs> my bed back. Even a drink. You lost Drew Brees. You got Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. just playing like garbage, and you can still only score ten points. Yeah. Cowboys did bad. not look It was good. bad. It was bad. It was bad. I, I, I admit it was bad. I call a spade a spade. We did not play good. What's up? As quiet as I am, and then you see, you know, I told you boxing. Yeah. I do watch football, though. Okay. Of all sports, I stay on football. Us up too. I'm just quiet now because I'm never paying attention really in the beginning. I always yeah. get into the middle of the back. season. Yeah, more, so okay. We'll if we had a little bit more time, we would have. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But um, really quickly, I'm, I'm, we're going to, that was your come through New Orleans Saints. My come through is a little bit different. Um... My come through is Las Vegas sports betting. No sports betting in general. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Las Vegas. I think uh, week three they lost some like ten oh, yeah. billion dollars. It was oh, like yeah. some monumental numbers just because every last fucking underdog under the sun yeah. came through. And I, and I saw like if you took like an eighteen parlay and just picked the eight underdogs that that won last week and put a hundred dollars on it. That shit paid out five hundred eight thousand. Really? Oh man! But you know what Vegas? You know Vegas and the sports bet. Anytime, anytime they take an L, yo, they 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 gonna double up. So what did they do? They doubled up this week. <laughs> they won <laughs> twenty million this week. Ooh. Yeah, they You know what I'm saying? So they were the ones that came through. You know, they took an L on the pockets last week and, and made a, a, a rebound in a major way um, this weekend. So uh, you know, yeah, I'm gonna have to say Vegas. <laughs> Put the come through on the pocket, show. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I need we to got do. anything else for tonight? Feel goods? Anything like that? Uh, actually, I did want to say something. Sure. Um, and it, it, it kind of goes in, hand in hand with uh, what you were saying about your friend Apple, uh, cancer awareness. Yeah. Um, I have a little pin right here. I'll probably put a picture or something. Uh, I want to thank my friend Becky for helping me make these. Uh, as we know, October starts mm-hmm. tomorrow. It's mm-hmm. Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, uh, a coworker of mine uh, has been diagnosed with breast cancer, mm-hmm. and she started chemo last week. And me and my friend made these for everyone in my department. Uh, every day throughout the month of October, we're going to be wearing an item of pink every single day. Fantastic. For to support our teammate and our, our team yes. member. 
And it doesn't have to be breast cancer. It's any kind of cancer awareness. Mm -hmm. You know, give what you can. Do whatever you can for awareness. And, uh, you know, keep those people in your prayers. Oh, can I share? Can I add something to Yeah, sure. As far as breast cancer is concerned, I mean, I don't know if you remember, I said, I said a lot, but Valerie Waltman, my art teacher, during the time that my friend Apple had leukemia, my art teacher, Valerie Waltman, was dealing with breast cancer. Okay. Mm. So I had to go to the hospital and visit both of them. So um, when you pulled that up and you showed me that ribbon, I actually remember going to the cancer walks with, yeah. with Apple and Miss Waldman, mm. you know, for, for the breast cancer in particular. So, yeah. That's Salute. what's up. Hey, Baltimore, stay up. You know how we end the show. Baltimore, spread love, yo. We'll be back in two weeks with more guests and more great stories. Donald, man, I appreciate you coming Thank through. Thank you, Keisha. Thank you God, so much. Showing your story, man. Out. Like, you. yo, loved it, loved it. Sophia, thank you for coming through and sharing your love absolutely. and light and, and laughter. And we about to get it in offline because the party don't stop here just a bit outside. But um, like I said, we'll see y'all next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And y'all have a great week, man. There we have it, another episode of Just a Bit Outside Radio Show in the books. I want to thank Dr. Tunes for coming through, talking about his life and times. Check out his murals if you're in the uh, Baltimore area. That one on Bank and Exeter he uh, talked about that he's currently working on. Uh, and you, there's several others uh, that he talked about, uh, one in Pigtown. Uh, check it out. Uh, I want to thank Sophia for coming through, talking a little bit of football with us. Uh, we're definitely going to try to get back into more sports on the next episode. Next episode coming up live on Facebook, October 14th. Uh, Facebook, October 14th, around 7 p.m. We're uh, you know, still working out the kinks since we're 100% independent solo going live as we always have done the last two and a half years. Uh, if uh, you're just now finding us, check out our uh, past couple episodes. They're here on Facebook. Uh, on the Facebook page, Just a Bit Outside Radio Show dash J-A-B-O. Uh, they're also on podcasting sites, podcast, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and Anchor, and others. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, J-A-B Outside Radio. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, we've been doing this for a while, even though uh, there's not a whole lot of shows on our current page. Uh, we want to thank uh, all our time at uh, Be Exposed Radio for what they did to uh, for us. Uh, we strike out on our own to get a little bit more independence. Uh, we want to do our thing and, uh, you know, have more say, not that they were stifling us editorially, uh, but we could only do our show, uh, on, on the contracted day at time. And that's something that we're going to try to work on and bring into you more often and, uh, more content and varying that content up tonight. We had a, uh, an artist, a muralist, uh, you know, and we're going to definitely, uh, 
trying to, to vary that up and, and bring people like that back, but also bring in more sports. And uh, as we're able to bring more content to you, we're going to be able to uh, definitely uh, have a way of organizing that and differentiating it. Uh, but, you know, that's that's far in the future. Uh, we're just uh, getting our feet wet on this journey as we are an, it, a totally independent show. Uh, but again, next episode, October 14th. Earlier I said the 13th, but it is the 14th. It's a Monday around 7 p.m. We go live on Facebook Live. Uh, just a bit outside, radio show dash J-A-B-O. Go ahead and like the page. And uh, thanks for coming through. Baltimore spread love, and we'll see you next time.